word today and turn to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, the mission, the purpose. All of us have different purposes. We have a mission that God has given us. And every day we have practical missions, just small things that we are called to do. A mission will speak to us about purpose and it will speak to us about where we are and where we are going. Maybe it's just a specific outing and the mission that is behind that. I know oftentimes as I get ready to leave, my family, my children will say, where are you going, Dad? And I'll say something like, well, I'm going to the church. And they'll respond something like, good deal, hope you have a good time. Or I'll say, I'm going to the hospital. That's awesome, hopefully everything is okay. Sometimes I might be doing something else. I might say something like, well, I'm actually going to Monroe and uh, stop by Chick-fil-A. And you know what they'll say? That I've been missing you lately. I love you, and I feel like we need some quality time together. It's amazing how a mission or purpose can bring people along or remind people of where we are and where we are going. For we as a church, we have said that our mission is to love him fully and to follow him faithfully. Our mission and our purpose. Jesus, as he was speaking about his mission and his purpose, he took Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and parts of verse 2, and he spoke about it to his hometown there in Nazareth. This is what he said to them as he read that scripture in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, this is my mission, a scripture that I myself inspired. 700 years before, I stated the mission with which I was coming and which I hope to work toward. And you'll hear within that ministry and mission But I want you to specifically hear how he said that he was going to bring liberty and freedom to the captives or to the oppressed. Dr. Luke had given us that mission there in Luke 4.18 as Jesus had spoken it. And then in verse 31, Luke begins to show us how he fulfills that mission. How he actually goes out and fulfills what he has been called to do. Now, I love this about Jesus. He just goes out and he does what he's supposed to do. He doesn't wait around. He doesn't, um, he doesn't retreat. He just simply goes to do what he's supposed to do. And many of us, we would know our mission. We've heard our mission so many times. And yet what we do is we just step back and we allow some other things to happen. There's no urgency about it. We simply allow that time to pass. But Jesus... Verse 31, it says, Then he went down to Capernaum. After being rejected in his hometown, he sets up a new headquarters for approximately half of his ministry there in Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. In other words, it was the regular practice that Jesus would go in and that he would teach on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. They would listen to him. They would be astounded by the way he spoke. 
They would be amazed, not always convinced, as we'll see as you read through the scripture, but they were amazed with the authority that he brought. Verse 33, now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Here he is fulfilling that purpose. The purpose of liberating the captives. The the purpose of granting freedom those who are oppressed. Literally, as he is teaching and he is preaching, he finds the captive in his audience. The scripture says that as he is teaching there in the synagogue, there is a man who has an unclean spirit, the spirit of a demon. And he confronts it. He actually liberates this man from demonic possession. Now, let me give you some statements up front, okay? Some statements that I hope will clarify the message as we move through it. One, As we talk about demonic possession, as as you see it in the New Testament, understand we are not talking about some simple psychological or mental disorder. That's not what we're talking about when we read these passages. Now, I know what has happened. I mean, in in our day, in the contemporary thought, we have tried to come back and look at the Scripture, and we've tried to apply some of... What we would see today, and and some of science today, who try to apply it and explain away much of the supernatural of the New Testament. Many of us, or many individuals, have tried to do that. They'll look back at these kinds of accounts, and they'll talk about how today they should be described simply as psychological or mental issues. That is not what we see here in this passage. It's not simply a psychological or mental issue. Now, I understand there are serious psychological issues people face today. And all of those are not, all of those are not necessarily caused by demonic possession. There is a real sickness. There is a real physical and medicinal need today among many people. But this is not what Jesus is confronting Jesus is not confronting simply a mental disorder. He is confronting demon possession. Now let me say this to you. Demon possession and demonic activity, demonic influence, was not limited simply to the first century. Oh, if it had been. But it was not limited just to the first century. There were individuals today that write and say, well, if you look at the New Testament, you'll notice that there is seemingly an upsurge in demonic activity and influence. You don't see as much of it in the Old Testament. Yes, there's a little bit of it in the church age as you read the book of Acts, but not as much as it, as it appeared when Jesus was here on earth. Well, 
Let me say to you that there probably was an increased activity in some sense because Satan and the devils were throwing everything they could to destroy the life and ministry and work of Jesus Christ. So there probably was a little bit of... But it does not mean that demonic activity ceased in the earthly ministry of Jesus. Absolutely not. I would tell you today that demonic activity is still present in our world. And if we don't want to face that, then we're simply deceiving ourselves because demonic activity continues. But notice again, as Dr. Luke, the physician, is writing, he is not, he is not speaking necessarily of a physical disease. He is speaking of demonic possession. It says that this individual is captive to an unclean demon. Now, as I was reading through this this week, I began, I began with some surprise because I've read many accounts of demonic activity in the New Testament. I've, I've seen how Jesus has cast out demons before. And most of the time, when I'm thinking about demonic activity or somebody that's under demonic influence, I think of those individuals almost like the demoniac that is at Gerasenes. You remember that story? He's out among the tombs. He's, he's hurting himself. He's been chained, and yet they cannot restrain him. And he's... You, tell me, you remember this New Testament story? Most of the time, that's the way I'm thinking about demonic possession or demonic influence. I'm thinking about that individual that is uncontrollable and demonstrates some physical sign. But isn't it interesting to note here that this individual may even appear normal. You say, how in the world would you say that? Brother Reggie, well, he's in the synagogue. He's in the service. And if he was uncontrollable, they probably would have never allowed him in the synagogue. I mean, certainly they had some kind of Baptist usher-like people there, right? Have you seen our ushers? They would have stopped him, but he's there. In other words, there's some normalcy about his life. He's not necessarily like the guy at Gerasenes running among the tombs. This is an individual that is somewhat normal and is there in the synagogue. Now, I'll tell you what else is interesting here is that he's in the synagogue. I mean, if you watch movies today, if you ever watch any type of horror flick, I thought as long as you made it to the church, you were okay. You know what I'm talking about. As long as you made it to the church, there was no way that evil could even walk into the doors. You were safe. There was a safe haven in the building itself. And yet, when you look at this passage, this man who is controlled by demonic influence, by a personal evil spirit, he is sitting in the midst of the congregation in the synagogue. And yet he is controlled. He is controlled by a demonic Spirit. He is captive. 
Now, may I give you one other statement here? We must be careful. And I want to say this in the beginning. We must be careful not to attribute every sin and every issue that we face to demonic influence or possession. As it has been stated before, there is not necessarily a demon behind every bush. Sometimes it is simply our sin nature, which could be influenced, but sometimes it's just our sin nature. Sometimes it's just us living in the fallen world that we live in. Not everything comes from demonic or devilish activity in our lives. But here in this case, in this case, the individual sits in the synagogue and he is controlled by a demon. I started to borrow a title from a book that was written some time ago in order to entitle my message today. Some of you may have read the book. It, something like The Devil in Pew Number 7. Did I get it right, Les? I asked Leslie that because somebody in one of our churches that I pastored uh, brought Leslie that book. The Devil in Pew Number 7. And she began to read it. And if you've read it, it is a disturbing story of how this one man who attended church all the time somehow harassed, threatened, who even caused injury to the pastor and his family. I went back last night, read the little report on CNN that had been put out on this book and upon these incidents. It, it is rather frightening. As the house had been bombed, I think, ten times, according to the story, the parsonage, the pastorium, how the family was under some kind of siege, how the wife dies. Leslie looked at me and said, why did they bring me this book? <laughs> I mean, I have some issues anyway, you know, about how, in the, why would you bring the pastor's wife a book about the pastor's wife dying? Why would you do this? But I read the story. And it was this individual that would come. And, and later on, the individual who after perpetrating all of these crimes while he was in prison came to know Christ. But as I read that, as I thought about this, I am reminded that as we come here today that there are individuals just like in the New Testament age, just as in Jesus audience there are individuals that are held captive they are oppressed now certainly all of us because we were born into sin sin has enslaved us or may I say to you sin had enslaved some of us sin enslaved us and somehow that sin that that view of life that bent view of life that we had it colored our actions and our thoughts. It colored basically everything that we did. And we were enslaved to sin. And some of us, some of us, I think, lived under some type of the demonic influence itself in our lives. And there were addictions and 
there were practices that we were enslaved to. And here's this man sitting there in the synagogue, worshiping perhaps as he had any and every other Sunday. But something happens when he comes into the presence, the powerful, authoritative presence of Christ. It says that in the midst of this, he cried out with a loud voice. A.T. Robertson says that it was a demonic screech saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In other words, the power of that presence, the authoritative presence of Christ somehow brought in this man, brought in this individual, brought in this demonic spirit, brought within them this disturbance that led him to cry out, what do we have to do with you? In the Greek, it speaks as like, what compatibility do we have? What common ground do we have? We don't have any common ground between me and you, Jesus. We, we have no commonality. What are you doing here? Is this the time when you will destroy us? Talking about the moment that he knew was coming in the future when all evil and all demonic influences would be destroyed. And then he says, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Luke has used that term before to speak about the divine nature of Christ. To speak about the Messiahship of Jesus. He's used that before. You are the Holy One of God. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Now, it's interesting if you go and read commentators as they speak about this passage and about how this demon knew Jesus. I mean, it's interesting because some will say, well, demons, they don't know everything, and certainly they do not. How in the world would they know him? And this. Do you remember where these demonic spirits originated? These are fallen angels. You with me on that one? Fallen angels. So in some way, at some time, they had been before the presence of Christ. It's not a leap here to say that Jesus was easily recognized by them. Because Jesus, of course, is God. And they recognize Jesus. They recognize him as being divine. This man, he is captive. And yet, the authoritative presence of Christ brings conviction upon that individual. You see the captive... And you see the liberator. You see the captive, and then you see the liberator. Verse 35, Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet. Literally, literally means put a muzzle on it. I love that. I mean, haven't you wanted to look at people and say that before? It's okay to admit that. 
Just don't look at the person this morning. (laughs) Jesus looked at this demonic spirit and he said, put a muzzle on it. You be quiet. Again, the authority of Christ that is seen. And he says to him, come out of him. Come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. The voice of Jesus. There was, there was no um, spectacular incantations or ritual. He just simply looked at him and he said, you come out of him. You release him. And he came out. And the scripture says that he came out and get this, did not hurt him. I think that is important because who is writing The physician, Dr. Luke. And the term that is used there speaks about injury of any general kind. In other words, there is nothing that occurred to him that injured him in any way. He was taken care of. He was liberated through Jesus the Christ. Well... How does this speak to us today? One, the power of Christ is still authoritative. The power of Christ is still powerful enough to overcome any kind of demonic possession, influence, any kind of demonic spirit that would come against his kingdom. And all of God's people said, Christ, in his authority, he can simply speak and still bring people out of oppression. Remember, his mission was to deliver the captives. His mission was to bring liberty, set at liberty those who are oppressed. And here Jesus went out doing it. An individual who had been oppressed by demonic possession. Now, he was free. You see, we serve Jesus, the liberator. He is the liberator. We could call him, and we certainly could call him Savior. We could call him the Christ. We could call him the Messiah. But for all of us in this place, we need to make sure that we have recognized him as the liberator. He is the one that has freed us. Now, again, whether it's the freedom from that sin that was enslaving us or for some individuals who had been oppressed by a demonic spirit itself, Jesus is the liberator. We still need to hear that today. Again, I'm all for any kind of intervention that we can bring in a person's life to help them physically and mentally and spiritually. Certainly, I believe in any kind of intervention that is biblical in which we can help another of our brothers and sisters. But may we be reminded that there are only some things that Jesus Christ can touch. And victory over oppression is not just found in physical ways. But it is found in the power of Jesus Christ. There are so many... There are so many in our midst that are oppressed by sin, 
by demonic influence. We need to sound the message that Jesus is still the one who is powerful enough to overcome and to grant freedom from any type of oppression. Now, for those of us who are believers, you're asking me the question, I can see it on your face. Well, Dr. Reggie, I'm a believer. How about demonic influence? I know the question, can a believer be demon-possessed? And although some people would take issue with the very question itself, let me say this to you. For the believer, for the Christian, there is no way that a believer can be possessed by a demon. Did you hear me? There's no way. You say, how can you say that so boldly? Because of this. When you were saved by God, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. Right? The Spirit of God came to live within you and came to live within me. And you know what? God is not about sharing this house with any other spirit. And there's no way that a Christian can't be demon-possessed. But do you know that we can still be influenced? In other words, there are demonic forces and devilish spirits that know our weaknesses because they watch us. And what they would do is they would take those weaknesses and they would bring temptation into our lives. But let me give you the good news. You and I have the power to overcome those temptations. Did you hear me? You and I have the power to overcome those demonic influences in our lives. Go back to the first of chapter 4. Remember Jesus had gone into the wilderness. The Spirit had directed him there for this moment of testing. And the devil himself came to Jesus and tempted him three different times. And yet each time, what happened? Jesus rebuked Satan and he remained pure in his life at the very first part of this chapter. So when you take that part and you take the part that we're reading this morning, it reminds us that for every one of us that has the Spirit of God living within us, we have the power to say no. There was a show on years ago. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Some of you can help me out. But the basic excuse that was used over and over was, and you've used that excuse several times yourself, you knew exactly what I was talking about. The devil made me do it. And there's some people today, there's some people living in this sense of hopelessness. There's some people living with this sense of, I can't do any better because the devil's just made me do it. He has a, he has a hold on me and I can't get through this. Well, let me say this to you. That is nothing more than spiritual baloney. That's a New Orleans term. <laughs> Seminary term. You and I 
do have the power to overcome sin and any kind of demonic influence that comes into our lives. The devil cannot make a believer do anything because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is greater than any demonic influence. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And you do not forget that. I'm not saying we don't still mess up. We could stop for a moment today and my family could come and just give you testimony of how I've messed up this week. I've messed up and you mess up. I'm not saying we don't mess up. I'm saying to you, it's not God's fault for not giving us enough power and authority. He's given us enough. It is our decision whether we will tap into that powerful reserve we have in our lives of the Spirit and allow Him to help us overcome. Verse 36 said, Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is. For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. The Greek word for going out is the Greek word basically echo. Echo. And yes, that is where we derive our English word echo from. And I know you have to be careful reading too much English back into the... But isn't this a beautiful picture? That the message of Christ just simply echoed through the region. People had to talk about the authority and the power of Christ. They had to tell other people about it. It echoed through the region. And I say to you that one of the challenges we have is we think about our mission and our hands-on mission is that we would echo forth the authority and power of Christ. That we would let people hear, people who are struggling with oppression, people who are struggling and they're captive to their sin and to demonic influences, that they would hear that Jesus Christ can deliver them and liberate them and give them a sense of hope where previously they'd experienced only hopelessness in their lives. Because you see, through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through the resurrection, he has given us victory. Hebrews, passage that I love in chapter 2, verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He said through the cross and through the resurrection, Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan and to destroy the works of the demonic influences. That no longer do we have fear or even fear of death itself because that was bondage. But now we are free through Christ. And the best thing we can do, the best thing we can do is we confront demonic influences and spirits is to do, to do what? Share the gospel of Christ. If you want to see people set free, if you want to see them delivered from oppression, it's not about trying to learn some ritual. or It is about declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ that people would come 
to bow before him and that they would know that he can wash them from their sins and release them from the bondage and the oppression that comes into their lives. Jesus is the story that should echo. When we talk about hands-on missions, talk about practical ways, we'll talk more about it in Sunday school and in the services to come, of putting our hands to the mission. Let us not forget that one of the most practical things we can do to help people is to share the good news of Christ. It practically rearranges their lives. They can experience freedom and liberty and life. That is the Jesus we serve. And today here in this place, would you hear this message? That you may come, and I'm not saying that you are demon-possessed, but perhaps there are spirits that have influenced you to walk in the wrong way. I'm saying to you today that through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can experience freedom and liberty from your sins. Those who are lost, that today you can come and be saved. Those who are saved, that today you can come and recommit and recognize the power of God in your life. Would you hear his message? And would you experience the liberty and the freedom that he intends for you to have? Through his son, the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day. And we give you glory for winning battles that we could have never won on our own. God, for delivering us from sin, from delivering us from the powerful influences that would dominate our lives. And God, today I pray for my brothers and sisters who are saved. And Lord, they're wrestling with these influences and these temptations. God, would you give them a sense of your power and would you help them to see that this day that they are overcomers through faith in you. God, for those who are lost in this place, Lord, convict them this morning. And allow them to come to you seeking salvation in life. God, speak now. In Jesus' name.